Hello and welcome to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome to our viewers, our listeners on the radio and on our podcast. Today we'll be talking about safety and security at Erie's public schools after a frightening incident at Erie High earlier this month. As you know, a student brought a gun to school and shot another student three times right in a school hallway. The victim now recovering, the shooter just 14, turned himself in and is now in juvenile detention. There couldn't be a more important topic today. My two guests are intimately aware of the challenges at Erie High and all of Erie's public schools and two people working all the time and even more so now on solutions. Erie Public Schools Superintendent Brian Polito and leader of the Blue Coats community group Daryl Craig, best known as Brother D. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for having me. So let's begin with the, with the day of the incident. Talk about those frightening moments at what is the biggest school in Erie's public schools, uh, the response that day. Well, the, the response was, was outstanding from, from our staff and EPD. Um, I, I received a call less than two minutes after the incident happened uh, from our principal. Uh, the police were already on scene at that point and starting to investigate. Everybody in, a, in the building did exactly what they were supposed to do. We've, we've had numerous lockdown drills over the, the last few years, most recently in January. Uh, so they were able to quickly lock the building down um, and start, start their investigation. Tough day, though, for people on the inside of the school building, the outside, too. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we progress here. But, Daryl, this is what the blue coats work all the time to avoid. Uh, did you have any inkling that day that, that something was coming? We've heard teachers say they've been feeling it all year. We were kind of aware of some things that had happened in the community that was impacting a couple of the students, uh, specifically the young man, but not to the degree that he would, you know, ultimately do what he did. Um, we're always, always on the lookout for that because of what's happening in our community uh, specifically, and then in society, it's always that possibility. So, if people don't know, I mean, we've done a lot of news stories about it, but the Blue Coats is really a uh, grassroots kind of organization of men in the community who put on blue coats, and they're really there when kids come into school and out of school every day at every school, right? Well, most of them. Yeah, and you were there that day, but your group had gone. And that—that that was really, really. That really impacted us because we had just left, you know, and we were actually in the middle of a meeting slash training, got the call, and of course we responded and went back up to see what we can do to help. But five minutes later, our guys could have walked right into that because we do hallway walks and try to encourage kids to go to class, get in class, you know, um, not do anything they shouldn't be doing. And uh, the guys had just come out, like I said, five, ten minutes later, they would have walked right into that. We know now at least police indicate that this was some kind of a targeted, specifically targeted attack, but it does seem like it could have been worse for your kids or for the blue coats or for teachers. A lot of scared parents that day were telling me they didn't know if they would ever want to send their students back to, to Erie High. And some of the most vulnerable kids I understand in, in life skills or autistic support were actually right there. I've heard from relatives of some of those kids in the last couple of days here that they're not doing so well because of what they saw. So how do you make sure those kids really get the help they need? And is that beyond what the school counselors can do? Well, first of all, if anybody is, is struggling, I would encourage them to call, call the school. We have a number of mental health supports um, on site uh, to support those families. We, we also, if, 
if it's a special needs student, can call our special education office to work through uh, how to best address those concerns. Uh, we, uh, we really have increased the number of supports in the building. We started that last year with the, the stimulus funds. Uh, so we have additional mental health supports up there. We also have three case managers on site to provide supports to families uh, for, for whatever they need. And have you seen a lot of people taking advantage of that? Uh, yes, not the first day we didn't as much, but I, I think as, as time has gone by and it really what happened has sunk in, people have been reaching out. Uh, to, to get those supports. And we're going to continue to offer those and make sure they're available to students as we start to transition back to in-person instruction. It's a big school. A lot of parents were surrounding the school that day waiting for their kids to come out. A couple of parents were actually uh, inside the school that day too. They happened to be there for another reason, for an incident that had happened outside the school earlier that day. Uh, this is kind of the police response, a really big police response that day. Uh, but again, it was a while before all the students were dismissed. You kind of did it room by room as you mm -hmm. went along. So how trying was that for your teachers? They, they, uh, they were kind of on the front lines of trying to keep kids calm and some parents on the front lines of trying to keep kids calm who did really witness the incident. Yeah, again, our, our staff uh, and the EPD really stepped up during this incident. And, and because of that response, we were able to get all the all the students out in just over two hours um, and given the size of the building that that's a pretty quick response. And we do have a little bit of video of that dismissal process. It did take some time and of course you had to be you didn't really know where the shooter was at that point in time because uh, the shooter had left the building. Here's some of those kids coming out. So um, the district response has been quick to make some changes. We'll get into that a little more later but what might have been different that day if the measures you're putting into place now were in place then, should that shooter have been able to get away? Kids able to go out doors or windows, as we know a couple uh, did. What, what would be different if the systems you're putting in now were in place? Well, uh, prior to this, we did have random wanding. So we were uh, wanding kids on a regular basis. Uh, with the metal detectors, obviously, uh, we're going to require every student to go through that. So uh, a, a students should not be able to bring a, a, a weapon into school once we have those in place. So there is a new supervisor of community school and community safety, Matt Parker. There were some questions uh, raised to us in the media about whether that post should be a police officer. I know at one time you talked about actually having an Erie Police Precinct right in that building. There, there are police in the school, right? We have uh, police off our police officers in, officers in the school. In fact, we increased the complement uh, from 12 to 16 um, earlier this year because of the, some of the concerns we had in the community. Two of those additional officers were placed up at Erie High. Uh, we, we made the decision to go with uh, Matt Parker um, and somebody that's more focused on the overall safety and security of the building because uh, we feel that's what we need. We, we did a very inclusive search process. We included a lot of uh, external uh, stakeholders on that including uh, Brother D from the Blue Coats and uh, Erie EPD as well. Uh, overwhelmingly, the, the committee felt that Matt was the best candidate for that position. And, you know, his response that day, I, I think, was outstanding. And the police have done nothing but praise how he handled that uh, since the incident happened. Can I just jump in there on a couple of things? Um, that idea of putting the police in the school, the EPD, I wanted to go back and revisit that. Um, it wasn't going to be a precinct. The idea was that EPD is out in the field all the time. We have a protective services class, and there's been uh, said that they have trouble recruiting minority candidates. 
Now, we have that shop inside the school, and I know that a lot of minority students were taking that shop. So if an EPD officer is able to come in and do his paperwork, his reports, he's got some space, he can wander over to that class, maybe, you know, in, um, engage with those students and offer up some insights as to why they might want to take that job. So it was more or less a community space that an uh, officer in the field would be able to get out of his car and come inside the building and thereby add a little extra presence to, you know, it was a twofold thing. I think the word precinct caused a lot of pushback because people per, uh, perceived that it was getting ready to be a uh, police state type of atmosphere, and that wasn't so. Okay. Building relationships. Right. Things they would be doing anyway right. in the building. So school we know is back in session in person this week at all Erie's public schools except Erie High with metal detectors now the order of the day for both middle and high schools. We're going to look at how that's going so far and talk in detail about the improvement at Erie High when we come back. Welcome back. We're talking about all that's being done to make sure students and staff in Erie's public schools stay safe and have a positive learning environment with my guest, Superintendent Brian Polito, and leader of the Blue Coats, Daryl Craig, best known as Brother D. So the response after the shooting was really swift. Uh, the board, under emergency circumstances, approving metal detectors right away. I mean, some people are saying, why didn't, if you could do it that fast, why didn't you do it before? Well, much of this was already in the works. Uh, we, uh, certainly we, as Brother D mentioned, we've all had concerns about what's been happening in the community with uh, youth gun violence. Uh, we actually started a safety committee with the uh, faculty up at Erie High in January to discuss some of these initiatives. Uh, so all these things were really uh, put together at that January meeting, some of those recommendations, and we were starting to pool all of that together so we could uh, uh, move ahead and, and put those things in place. So that's why we were able to actually react so quickly is because all the planning was already done for those. So we've seen the metal detectors in action at, at Wilson Middle School, and these are temporary rented units, uh, right? So uh, this is the first morning of it. H how did it go? We understand from our reporter, Elspeth Meisner, it took quite a while that first day um, to, to get kids in the building. Um, so it's a learning curve, right? Yeah, all in all, I think it went very well. We, uh, we got the kids in in about a half an hour. Uh, that's, that's only going to get better from here on out. One of the biggest holdups was uh, searching book bags and backpacks. So we're uh, right now in the process of securing either mesh or, or clear backpacks so that that search process can go much smoother. And, and as you mentioned, the teachers had kind of given their list of things to do at Erie High back in January. It aligns with the things that you're now doing at that building, those kids not back yet at mm -hmm. Erie High. Um, so we have a graphic that shows all the things you're doing. We reported it in the news, but just quickly, Brian, talk us through um, these things. So the, the first one, the modification to the interior doors, one of the things that happened when we had our uh, lockdown in January, we found out that those some of the interior doors in the areas that have not been renovated at Erie High could not be locked from the inside of the classroom. So, so if a teacher and her kids were afraid or, or his, mm -hmm. they couldn't lock themselves in their classroom? They could lock themselves, but they'd have, if the door was already locked, they'd have to open the door up and reach out to lock it. Got it. Uh, so right now we're getting deadbolts for, for all of those as a short-term fix in the interim. Uh, teachers are going to keep their doors locked all the time so that if there is an incident, they can just shut their door and, and be secure. 
we're also, um, and this came out of the safety committee as well, looking at updating our intrusion alarm system. So we wanna make sure that all the exterior doors in the, in the building, and I believe there's about 89 of them, uh, have alarms on them and they're audible alarms so that we're immediately aware if somebody opens the door when they shouldn't. Uh, we also identified a few blind spots in our security camera coverage, so we're working to address that as well. 40 new cameras, is that right? To how many already? Um, I believe right now we have over 200, maybe close to 300. I'm not sure exactly what the, the number is. They're, they're looking at a couple different options to cover those areas, All including right. mirrors. And then explain this electronic hall pass system. So one of the, the issues that, that we saw is we have a lot of kids that are uh, skipping class and roaming the halls, and that's when some of these incidents are taking place. So we're going to pilot an electronic hall pass system to, to better lock down uh, the building during class and make sure that we're, we know where everybody should be uh, in, more quickly. What does that mean, that the student has some kind of a, an electronic a card where you know where they are? Right. So they, um, when a student's walking the hall, instead of having a paper pass, uh, they'll be able to scan their ID. We're getting iPads for the hall monitors so that the, the hall monitor then can immediately identify where that student should be and help direct them back to that place. All right, Brother D, I had a mom tell me there are fights every day outside of school in the parking lot of that little store across uh, Cherry Street there. <laughs> and uh, she's worried about what happens outside school. And I mean, it's a real question. And if there's more kids, uh, if kids have to be waiting in line to get through the security, what goes on outside? I'm laughing because I want to know when the fights outside in the parking lot took place. I'm there every day. My guys are there every day. We break up a couple arguments. There have been no fights in that parking lot, and I challenge that because that's where we post up. Mainly, that's our main focus because that's where all the kids head before they go into school and after school. And we found out that's where they were staging a lot of the incidents. And so we've taken dominion over that place years ago. So you're not disputing that there are disputes, but you're saying that you're handling them. I'm saying that there's none happening in that parking lot. <laughs> I've seen you there. I've driven <laughs> yeah. by and gotten out to say hello. All right, well, there are security, physical security changes that we've talked about here, but what about the emotional state of kids and staff? We're going to look at how Unified Erie is getting involved, too, coming up next. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome back again to The Insider. We're talking about improving safety and security in Erie's public schools with Superintendent Brian Polito and leader of the Blue Coats, Brother D. So the Unified Erie Violence Reduction Initiative has never really gone away. I did a story about them this week, uh, but it certainly wasn't as visible during the pandemic. No nothing was. Uh, so, Brother D, your group was really born out of that initiative um, because it's it's spread so wide to try to prevent, get at the root causes of what causes violence to bubble up. So um, born out of, I believe, the Summit Street shooting, we were shocked by that. And that was two 16-year-olds from Erie's public schools who were killed. But now we're seeing younger and younger kids involved in criminal activity, uh, getting hands-on guns. Uh, now a seven-year-old from one of your schools was shot and has died. Uh, we have a little video of the vigil for Antonio Yarger. So what's the mental state of kids? I know from Amy Eisert from the Mercyhurst Civic Institute in Unified Erie and from what teachers have said, kids are different after the loss of structure during COVID-19. Brian, your thoughts on that? 
Well, we, uh, one thing that we noticed, uh, we, uh, back when we did the reconfiguration, uh, there was a lot of concern that by merging all the high schools that we'd see an increase in, in that type of activity, uh, when in fact the opposite actually happened. Uh, the year before we did the reconfiguration, the three schools that fed into Erie High had over 267 fights. Uh, the year after the reconfiguration, we were down to 226. And by the time uh, we hit 2019-20, uh, the first uh, nine months of the year before we went remote because of the pandemic, we only had about 100 fights. Uh, so everything was really moving in the right direction, and I, I really credit Unified Erie and their, their efforts to reduce gang violence. Uh, it was almost non-existent before the pandemic. But uh, I think what we saw during the pandemic that a lot of our students don't have a lot of structure at home. Uh, so when they were forced to go remote, they, they created their own structure in the form of these gangs or, or networks. and. Uh, when we came back to in-person instruction, that came back with it. Interesting. So uh, I know you're planning a call-in. Uh, we've reported on this uh, with uh, kids at risk, already kids with a criminal history from police reports. So this isn't about school discipline or you were mm -hmm. late for school or something like that. Uh, I have witnessed these call-ins. Um, this is really about offering help to these students to keep them safe, alive, and out of jail. So, Brother D, uh, you've participated in the call-ins before. Everyone. If kids get the call, get invited to this, how important is it that they respond? Do you think they will hear a message that, that might change things? Absolutely. I think it's very important that they respond. It could be the difference between life and death for some of these kids. And the offer of help. Every time we do one, I always think, wow, what if somebody would have did this for me? What would have been my life, you know, having been involved in gangs as a young man? And nobody ever offered to help, you know. It was always punitive, you know. When my contact with any law enforcement was always the consequences. But for these organizations, the community, law enforcement, and everybody to come forth and say, look, we know what you're doing. You're making sure that we know what you're doing. You're making so much noise, we can't ignore what you're doing any longer. But instead of us waiting for you to uh, um, make that move where we can incarcerate you, we're coming out ahead of time and saying, look, stop. I was astounded in sitting in on a couple of them to see a big screen where there were names of the groups, names of the kids in the groups, mm -hmm. pictures of kids and what they were up to. I think, you know, you can see from the body language of the people, they were kind of surprised by that too. So obviously this is a small percent of the population at Erie High, but how, how is this going to help the entire population uh, of um, Erie High? And what are you going to do for the rest of the kids? Well, it really is a small group of kids that are causing a lot of these issues. And I... Uh, again, I just uh, stress, as Brother D did, that we uh, any of these kids that, that are being invited to the call-in, we need to get them to that call-in. Uh, the district has more supports, thanks to the stimulus money, than we ever had to, to really get these kids back on track. And we really want to connect uh, these families and the students with those supports so that, that it can help. Uh, that's, that's, I'm sorry, that's the beautiful thing about it. it you know, it's the template of the call-in that's effective. They offer supports even for family members. So like if a kid comes in or an individual, a young adult comes in and say, well, the reason I'm living this lifestyle or this lifestyle is uh, uh, um, affecting me is because there's some issues in my home. You know, I have this going on. 
they have case managers that go above and beyond 24-7 around the clock to walk that individual through that. And they have gotten jobs for family members, uh, gotten homes, uh, improved the conditions that they were living in through their uh, resources and them having their um, all the services in area on online, so to speak. And for the first time, we saw Erie come together as one, one voice saying, we're just here to help. Let us help you before it's too late. Yeah, and that's the thing. It was misunderstood initially that it was some kind of punitive thing mm -hmm. um, or a snitch program, and it turns out it's nothing like that at all. It's really about offering help and really hearing from mothers who've lost kids to gun violence and then hearing about how uh, resources can make a difference. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk uh, about the return to Erie High, hopefully on May 2nd, and open house before that. Stay with us. So again, we're talking school security and safety with Superintendent Brian Polito and Brother D. So before families come back to Erie High, the target date, May 2, you're planning an open house. So that's coming up on Wednesday, April 27th from 5 to 7 p.m. What do you hope happens there? Well, we, uh, we uh, want to showcase some of the security updates that we'll have in place by then and uh, really have the families come in in a more uh, casual environment and, and see see what we're doing and uh, hopefully feel more comfortable about the safety and security measures we have in place for the return of students. So again, it's on Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. This is for kids and parents as well. They'll see the metal detectors, the other safety improvements, and they'll get to ask questions. So for those families who were saying, day of, I'm never coming back here, are you getting different feedback now that you're taking action so quickly? Um, we, we haven't seen, we do have a cyber program, and I would encourage any, any family that still has concerns about returning their student theory high to call our assistant superintendent's office. We have a, a several options that we can provide for, for alternatives, uh, including our cyber program, but we have not seen a, a significant increase in cyber enrollment at this point. Okay. So you're alluding to the fact that if there are students who really shouldn't return, maybe some of those kids who really witnessed the violence mm -hmm. that day, that you do have provisions for them. Uh, so Brother D, what's going to happen from the Blue Coats uh, perspective when the kids come back? Will there be more of you there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we plan to stay around a lot longer. Um, and um, there won't be any breaks. There will be a constant Blue Coat presence throughout the day. Also, I want to add, though, a lot of the students that we've talked to, they are comfortable with the changes that have been made. They were saying all the time, just get us the metal detectors and we'll, we'll feel better, you know. And I think that's the perspective of the majority of the uh, students. They just want to know that we are on top of things, you know, and they trust us just as they trusted us during the merger. As Brian said, we didn't have one gang-related incident during the major. I mean, the merger, the students trusted us. We went out ahead of the merger and spoke with them. And so I, I feel that most of the students are confident in us and they're, they're ready to come back to school. Well, Brother D and Superintendent Polito, thank you so much for being thank here you. and giving us an update on this, the situation in Erie's public schools after that shooting. Again, that open house coming up on April 27. Thanks again for being here. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next time on The Insider.